our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Hello, today is Thursday, which means we're bringing you Girls at Business, a weekly series where we spill the tea on how to create a seven-figure side hustle because no one saves their way to wealth. You're joined today by Sim, a seven-figure business owner, and with me is Maya, an entrepreneur in the making. Hello, Maya. Kilda Sim. How are we this morning? I'm fabulous. I got a massage and a facial, so I'm feeling very rejuvenated. We are girls that invest in our... High water health our health, our pampering. I want to be a woman that like leisures. What is it? Like a woman that lunches? Woman that lunch. Woman that lunch? Is that a term? A lady of leisure? A lady of leisure? Yes. I want to be a woman that like wakes up and it's like my plan for the day is yoga, Mm -hmm. facial, nails, read a book, see the girls. That would last you about two weeks. And then you'll get some kind of business idea. You'll get bored and then you'll start a big, huge company all over again. But that doesn't mean while you're building another company, you can't still do yoga, get facials and get your nails done. I feel like what you're saying is I just need a two week break. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm just going to be like, you know what? The nail salon was really missing X, Y, Z. That's a gap in the market. Yeah. Like, you know what? No one's brought like goat yoga to this side of the world. Maybe we could start that. Like, I just find something. Fine. You've got a point. You've got a really good point. Yeah. I want to be a lady that leisures. Yeah. Instead, because I like, I love the idea of that, but more so, I want to continuously prioritize my high water, so my health and my well being. So that means I've had a really stressful past few weeks. And so, between doing uni work and work and recording, I um, booked in my spa voucher. I don't think people realize this, but Maya works full-time, has a full-time, like studying Mm full-time, does Girls That Invest, which is a part-time job, is planning her wedding, which is like honestly another semi-full-time job. And then trying to start up a social media account. Maya, you can try and make excuses for not making your TikTok yet, but I will not take it. Good try. <laughs> All of that. Um, I do have a video in draft. Though. Stop. Yeah. I actually, I'm just waiting because my name on Instagram, because I used it for my personal account, I've just got to wait 10 days to switch it over to my 
They're like, stop scamming. I keep trying to change it on like the account that I want to. And they're like, no. Yeah. On TikTok, I'm just called Sim right now. And I was like, oh, I want to go back to like Sim from Girls That Invest. And they were like, you have to either wait 10 days or delete your uh, verified tick and change your name. And I was like, well, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely not. So this week we are talking about something really exciting. We are talking about the art of negotiating. Negotiating, being a good negotiator in business takes you so much further than just being talented. And that is like my honest, true facts, thoughts. I used to be really scared of negotiating. I used to hate confrontation. Mm -hmm. I would cry and still will like possibly cry if someone like talks to me in a tone that's kind of harsh. And I'm like, do they hate me? Like I, I'm such a people pleaser. I yeah. want to be liked. I want to be, I want people to be like, wow, she's so fantastic to work with. But in business, you also sometimes have to have tough conversations. Sometimes yes. it's with people within your own team. Sometimes and most often in our business, it's like outside people, people we're working with, people we're trying to negotiate with to get us places. And it wasn't easy. And I used to always wonder like, what makes a good negotiator? How does it work? What are the skill sets? Do you just have to like naturally be like this charismatic person? But the answer is no. The answer is it's a skill. Mm-hmm. Everyone sucks at negotiating to begin with. Everyone gets better with practice. And so that's what we're going to learn today. Okay. Sim, I love that you felt uncomfortable about it and it is a skill instead of kind of like a personality trait mm-hmm. as also a recovering keyword, recovering people pleaser and just not wanting confrontation is icky for everyone. So I think I see people who are really good at negotiating and think that is their personality and they've always been like that. And it's really good to hear that for you, it was never like that. And so we can also learn. Step one to being a good negotiator, I think for me, has come down to channeling an inner, like, not inner baddie, but like, Ooh, do you know it. what? Just like your inner Chris <laughs> Jenner. I was thinking Rihanna. Your inner Rihanna. But Chris Jenner is definitely for you. So Chris Jenner is known in the entertainment industry as a badass negotiator. She's known as a ruthless negotiator. And you can kind of see it. Like, that woman did not get... And you can, you know, we we have our own feelings and thoughts about this, but that woman did not get all of her kids to millionaires without negotiating hard. Oh, absolutely not. You do not have an empire of what the Kardashians are without Christina. Like, it just, it doesn't work. So I'm here to answer all your negotiating questions. I'm here to break things down. Whatever you want to know, I'm here to share my tips. I'm here to share what worked. I'm here to share what didn't. Let's get into it. Okay. I just want to quickly share this little funny story. When last year in December, when Sim proposed the idea of doing Girls at Business with me, she was actually the one who convinced me to negotiate my pay for this. And she like essentially is the one who would lose out in money. But I think that is something when I saw this topic, I was like, Sim, you are so good at it. When was the first time you negotiated anything in business? Firstly, that's very sweet. I, we truly are like people that we walk the walk. We Mm -hmm. don't just talk the talk. Like if I'm going to jump on a podcast and be like, hey girlies, negotiate your pay. Like, don't just take what your boss says. Do you think I'm going to then be the boss? That's like, absolutely not. Like, don't you dare. (laughs) Like you get what you get. (laughs) Yeah. You were like, no, do it. Negotiate. And I was like, okay, please. 
I'll send you an email. This reminds me very quickly of a story of Sheryl Sandberg. And some people have their problems with her. Some people think she's great. She wrote the book Lean In. She was the COO of Facebook. So she was like the second employee after Mark Zuckerberg. And she said that when she went to get the job, they wanted her, but it was a really hard negotiation. And she was like, she said to Mark Zuckerberg, she was like, listen, Mark, buddy. This is going to be the only time that I'm going to be on the other side of the table from you. So like, don't be offended that I'm going to negotiate hard. If anything, you should be impressed that after this, these same skill sets that I have to negotiate with you and be so tough, I'm going to use for your company to get you really great deals and grow the brand. So just like, I need you to know that before we get into this. Mm. And I love that. Like you can have those hard negotiations and still not hate someone yeah that's a fierce woman that's a that's a strong person so what was your question again when was the first time you negotiated anything in business I remember my very first like big girl job mm-hmm. I was like never take the first paycheck like never get take the first offer like I'm gonna negotiate I'm gonna come in strong and it was our job mm-hmm. like the f- first job that we worked at together And I remember the phone call from my boss. He was like, you've got the job. Congratulations. We're so happy to have you. And then he was like, and this would be the pay. Are you comfortable with that? And I just froze up and I was like, yeah, it's totally fine. Mm. And then afterwards I was like, I knew that I should have negotiated that. And I'm sure that he totally would have been fine for me to go, can I have a think about that? Can I come back to you? Mm -hmm. And so even though I knew I should negotiate, I didn't. I froze up and I was like, I don't want to make it uncomfortable. I, sh- I don't want to come across as ungrateful for the mm-hmm. job. So that was the first time I wanted to negotiate, but I chickened out. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of comforting to know because I've felt that so many times and thought that and have chickened out as well. And I'm sure a lot of other people have. And so I think it's just really nice for us to hear that we can build these skills to not chicken out. It's a muscle. It like grows over time. But the first time I ever negotiated was our very first brand deal that we did. So the way we make money is we will host workshops or events or we get sponsors for the show, for example. And our very first sponsor was a very large company. And I reached out to them and was like, hey, would love to work with you. What are your thoughts on sponsoring the show? And to negotiate with them, obviously I was very nervous, but at the same time, I had this really weird aura of confidence and I think it was because I truly believed deep down that what we had to offer was really beneficial to them. Mm -hmm. And I think if you truly, like if you don't believe yourself that you're worth that paycheck or if you don't believe yourself that you're worth X amount of dollars for a company to come sponsor your podcast or you're not worth, like if you don't believe in it, it's very hard to convince someone else to believe in it. Mm. So you almost have to like fake it till you make it if you don't believe it yet. Yeah. But it was really helpful for me to go, this makes complete sense for you to work with us. And therefore, this is how much it costs us to produce the show. And then plus the profit of of what we can bring, da-da-da. And I remember doing a lot of research and trying to understand like, well, how much would a podcast cost? And I spoke to someone that worked in PR and asked them like, you know, how much do these things usually go for? And it was really helpful because she said, well, like X company, which makes articles, their sponsored articles are usually $1,000 per sponsored article. 
And that was so helpful because I feel like if you have no idea about an industry, which was me when I mm-hmm. first started, like I don't know how much podcast sponsorships were, it's so helpful having rough ballpark figures of what other people are doing. Yeah. So that was like very helpful. I remember being in like my car during lunch breaks or like the storage room at work trying to negotiate these deals. But yeah, that was my first one and it was successful and I was still like just in awe that they said yes and they took a chance on us. So they said yes? Yes. Did they budge like with your negotiation? Was there back and forth? So because it was my first negotiation, there was a little bit back and forth. I don't know. I wouldn't say I did it very well or Mm -hmm. I did it very poorly. It was just kind of like, this is what we can offer. This is what we can give. Okay, let's meet in the middle. That's so cool. And so you say, back yourself, be confident and back yourself, be confident was the first thing that really helped. And then know or be able to have some backup research Mm. to help you feel comfortable enough to say, well, if those people charge this much, then I'm really not off the cuff if I charge this much. And knowing what the market is, is very useful. Very useful. And also can make you feel more confident? hundred percent. So so that was the first thing. Mm-hmm. But if I had to give you like my few negotiating tips that have Please. worked for me, you're just like, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> just Let's just jump straight into mm-hmm. it. Yep. My tips that I've found really helpful negotiating in any kind of situation are these, and some of them have come from really good examples. Some of them have come from negotiating mistakes that I've made. I mean, some there have been times where I've negotiated so hard I've completely lost a deal. Oh, which is never fun. There have been times where I've negotiated so hard I'm pretty sure I've upset people. Mm-hmm. And there's been times where we've negotiated and we've looked back and said we didn't negotiate hard enough and we totally got taken for a ride and like we totally undersold ourselves. So embarrassing. But you learn. Mm -hmm. You absolutely learn. And you're never going to get it right every time. And to walk into a room and say, my name is Simran and I have negotiated every single deal well, you're lying to yourself. Mm. You're going to lose. Yeah. And you're going to win. Number one, any kind of negotiation, often it's with salaries, often it's with your bosses or with companies, with suppliers, if you're trying to negotiate, everything is negotiable. That is my first tip. Okay. I think we grow up thinking that whatever number you see is final. Yes. And you're very like accepting and we grow up in a society, especially if you're like a people pleaser or especially if you're like a young woman, you get taught the number on the screen or the number someone tells you, respect it. Mm. Don't even budge. Yeah. Well, and from my point of view, I've gone into interviews either really needing a job or really wanting that job. And so there is that level of thought in your head, well, if I push back, if I don't agree completely to them right now, then they're not going to give me the job. You almost get taught like if I cause any discomfort, I'm out. Yeah. You don't want to make things uncomfortable for other people. That's not true. Every number that you've ever been given in your life of a salary or a quote for someone fixing your plumbing or anything has been given to you with them knowing that you might push back and it's never their final answer. Mm. Like any quote you've been given, it's obviously different if you go to like your grocery store. Like if it says that the milk is $2, the milk is $2. Yes. We're not thinking about that. We're not talking about those situations, but so much, and especially in business is negotiable. If you are like, Hey, I really need someone to help me make a website. The price that they give you 
what is the harm in asking if there's any wiggle room? If there's not, totally fine. We can Mm. respect it, but you lose out, you know, like 100% of the shots that you don't take. You can say it in a way that's respectful. You're not saying, hey, I don't think you're worth this price. It's just, is there wiggle room here? Can Mm -hmm. we make both of us happy? So that's number one. Okay. Number two is don't give your numbers first. So a lot of times whether it's in a job salary. And I know that I'll have some people in HR say, well, no, da, 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 you're the HR person. I'm just trying to get a job. Yeah. If anyone should know what the salary of this job is, it's you. (laughs) It is literally your job to find the market rate and then give me a range. And I will tell you where I sit on that scale, but for goodness sake, Mm -hmm. do not expect me to do this. Yes. When it comes to negotiating, we always, like when we work with brands, or we're doing quotes, we'll never give our number first because you always want to know what the other person is thinking. And if they're so far off, we'll be like, well, actually we were thinking like 8,000 to charge for this and you want five, like there's a bit of a difference. But like, for example, when it came to speaking arrangements, I remember when I first began, people would be like, hey, we'd love for you to come speak here. How much do you charge? And for a very long time, I would just go for free. (laughs) Like for a very long time, I was, I had the same mindset as you, which was like, well, I really want this, so mm. I don't want to ruffle feathers. I'll just, if they don't offer a speaking budget, I'll just be like, I assume there's none, uh, yeah. and I'll turn up. Yeah. And there's been times where I've done that, and then I ask the other people that are there, like, did you do this for free? And they'll be like, no, we got paid $500. And I'm like, uh, oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> so what I've always then done, because I didn't know what to expect or how much of charge, I would just ask them. I would be like, what's your budget? Okay. And then whatever the budgets would be, I would kind of go, well, would I be happy with this? And the second step would to never just accept the first offer. Mm-hmm. So then I would negotiate off that. Like if they have $1,000 to work with, let's say $1,500. Mm-hmm. Or if they say they have $10,000 to work with, let's push it to 14000 Like why not? Whenever someone gives you a number, they're expecting a bit of pushback from you. Like if I'm a business owner – and I am hiring someone. Mm-hmm. And if I say to them, hey, the job for this role is $30 an hour, it might actually be at most I can do $35 an hour, but I wouldn't start there. Mm. I'd start with 30. Yeah. So I'm going to expect a little gonna... bit of wiggle room. Yeah. And so if the other person goes, oh, I want a little bit more, then I can meet them at 35. And it seems like I've negotiated and I'm willing to meet them halfway, but that was always my capacity. Yeah. So when I offered you a job and you were like, yep, I'll take it. I was like, Maya, stop. No, negotiate this with me. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I'll send you an email. Thank you. (laughs) So that is rule number two. Don't give your number first. I have a part. I have a question. What if in a job interview you say, what is your budget? And they say, we're still figuring that out. We don't have a budget at the moment. What would you say to them? I would say, I think in jobs, it's definitely different versus like, a quote in your business because right, quotes yeah. you'll be like come on like give me something yeah a job I would then go okay well let me go away and find the market rate and come right. back to you okay it's always better to ask first though because if they do have one you want to hear theirs yeah if they don't you're not going to be like no you tell me and they're like no you tell me you just like play chicken yeah it's just like polite for yourself in negotiations to give them the space to tell you if they have a number mm-hmm. because Half of the time, what they offer is higher than what you were thinking. Yes. 
because we will always undersell ourselves. We're like, oh, I'm only worth 4K or I'm only worth 10K or I'm only worth for a job like 80K. They might be offering 120. Why cut yourself short just because you're too scared to ask a question? Mm. My second tip when it comes to negotiation is prepare heaps, but speak less. Oh, okay. So when you're negotiating with someone, you're sitting across from them, you're trying to find a deal, do all the preparation in the world. Like you should know if you can, what the salary is, what it usually goes for. You should have stats to back yourself and be like, well, you know, like I can only speak on our business when we negotiate with brands for, let's say, a collaboration or we negotiate with people on getting work done. Even like buying podcast equipment, like these are podcast equipment rates online. And sure, I can go in and just buy them, but I'll negotiate them too. I'll be like, well, I'm buying like five microphones. So surely you could give me like 200 off. Yeah. And they do because they want your business. So it's always important to do your preparation first, have examples of like, this is like what I've seen elsewhere. Like it's cheaper here, here and here. But if I buy it for you, from you, can you like price match me? But speak less. When you're in a negotiating situation, the more you talk, the more you give away, the more you blabble. And in my personal experience, the more you show like that you're desperate. Mm. That's my controversial opinion. The less you speak and the more you listen, the more you can kind of gauge like where do they stand? Are they saying that they don't have budget, but clearly they're really interested. So there's a little bit more room for push or are they genuinely like they don't have budget and they're really sorry and this is the best they can do? Like spend more time trying to read them than trying to justify yourself. Right. Because when you kind of babble on, it shows that you're like, you're, mm. like you're not, you haven't got a concise yeah. thought out process. Then you kind of lose your stepping a little bit. 100%. And so when I go into tough negotiations, I just try and listen. But if someone asks me something, I can jump in and give them like a 10 page reason of like why I think X, Y, Z. Okay. Do your research. Do your research, but speak less. Yes. The third thing that I say is put yourself in their shoes and understand their needs so that you can grasp where they're coming from and how you can fix what they need. So in our point of view, if we're saying, hey, we're going to look for a podcast sponsor or we're going to look for a sponsor for an event that we do, why would someone want to sponsor us? Or if we're talking to like company A, What's in it for them? And you can say like generic things like it will bring more brand exposure and it will increase sales, but they're not interested. They're not interested in that. Give them specifics. Okay, you company A are looking to expand in the US. I know this because I have looked into your company. I've seen that you've like released an article a few months ago and one of the questions that was asked were what's the next steps and you want to release in the US. Well, we're also growing in the US. So why don't you grow alongside us and organically reach a market that is harder to reach, but we also have like Kiwi listeners. You've got like a blend. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you're showing them specific reasons why they should work with you and how it benefits them. And you make them excited. You want Mm. them to look at this and go, oh my God, that's so cool. This makes sense. Not just like in a generic way, but like to our particular story. Right. So you're identifying their gap showing how you can fill it with your strengths because I think a lot of jobs and opportunities can be filled like a lot of people have 
that experience and the education, but it's kind of, I call it pizzazz. Yeah. That, that makes things different. So you know their gaps, play by your strengths and show them how uniquely only you can do what they need to do. 100%. And like for our brand, for example, we know what our strengths are. We know that we relate to a very niche group of audience that have not easily felt heard in other spaces. Mm. And so you've got a concentration of that group of people and if you're a brand that's trying to reach that particular group of people well you're not going to find a higher concentration anywhere else and that's me and Maya just you know shaking yeah um <laughs> shrugging our shoulders yeah like we're like yeah it's true it's true <laughs> where on else in the world are you going to find a group of specifically women of color or minorities or people that have felt misheard that are also people that are really interested in growing their financial literacy yeah and so that that's what we do in terms of Try and put yourself in their shoes and understand if you can help them. Because if you can, it's going to be so much easier as opposed to a generic like. I think what the things that have gone wrong in negotiations is me watching people speak on like why it would benefit them and be like, you should sponsor us so that we can grow. We can expand our business and we can do this and then we can do that for you. Yeah. Right. So like come and, and, and we've done this, we've made the same mistake, but like sponsor us so that we can buy more better equipment so that we can grow larger and then your sponsored ads will like reach more people and it's very like me, me, me focused. Mm. Whenever you negotiate, focus on them and why it benefits yeah. them because everyone is just thinking about themselves. Yeah. Like they're going to think what's in it for me, so tell them what's in it for them. You know why you want to do it. They don't care. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's business. Like they don't care that you also get to further your experience and yada, yada, yada. That's the same. Everyone can do that. But they're like, okay, so what can you do for me? Exactly. I'm paying money for this. And I think it is so helpful. Like when I was younger, I used to hate that I was such a sensitive person and I hated that I was so like emotive and would really read into people's like, why do they look at me that way? What do they mean? What do they think? Understanding the cues. Understanding cues. But I think being so highly sensitive has been great for me in business and great for me in negotiations because I can so easily put myself in the other person's shoes and go, what are they thinking? Why are they reacting? What are the three possible ways that they might take what I'm about to say? And how can what I do help them? Mm. And so being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes, being an empath in business is a great thing. It's your strength. Oh, I love that. And also I'll say, Sim, I call that emotional intelligence and self-awareness. And that is a very powerful tool to be connected to yourself and know those things. And as a very empathetic person, I love that. For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it. From local pop-ups to global retailers, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. 
So how can tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple. Increased revenue, expanded reach, and enhanced customer experience. It's a win-win-win. To learn more about how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. Thank you. Yeah. So to summarize that last point, I would say emphasize on the win-wins. Like don't just emphasize on yourself, emphasize on how this is a win for them as well. Mm -hmm. Like us doing this is not just great for us, it's great for you too. Emphasize on that. It makes such a difference. The last thing that I find really helpful when it comes to the art of negotiating is never give your final outcome first. Always use leverage. Okay. So what I mean by that is if you want – a company to give you ten thousand dollars or two thousand dollars if you want a salary of 120k if you start by saying hey i'd love 120 thousand dollars you're only going to get 115 or 110 or 100 over shoot for what you want Mm -hmm. so that you can land back on what you always wanted to begin with Mm. like if you want 120 ask for 130 do you have like a is it about 10 15k buffer do you think I like to use 10 to 15K yeah, buffers, but if you're tidy. working with like like $10,000, use a 5K buffer. Like if you want 20 grand, ask for 25. Mm. And often like when we give different options for people and different packages, usually the middle one is the one we want. And we'll say, hey, if you want to like join this, we have a bronze, we have a silver, and we have a platinum option. The platinum option will be more expensive. The bronze option will be cheaper. Usually it's the silver option that we really want them to take, Mm. but we want them to see that they have options and we want them to feel like they're making a choice as opposed to we just give them the one in the middle and it's like take it or leave it. Let people feel like they have a choice. They have a choice. Mm. Let them feel like they get to have a say, but never just give your final outcome first. Okay. So just to summarize, you don't say what you really want at the beginning. You kind of overshoot. Let them come back to it. Yes. And you also don't just say what you want first with no other options. Like if you only can share what you want, give them more than one option. Like give them the cheaper option and the more expensive option. Most of the time people will choose option number two, the middle option, the silver option. Mm. Think about it. When you sign up for a subscription service, they usually have three options. There's like Netflix, for example, they'll have like their cheap HD like with ad service, then they've got their middle like semi high quality and then they've got their like 4K option. And you're like, well, I don't need 4K. Mm. And I don't want the one with ads. I'll go for the one in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, that I'm just thinking in wedding planning mode and you, I'm looking for a photographer and a videographer and literally every time for me, it's a silver packet. It's a good in between because it's what I, it covers what I want with a little bit of sprinkle within budget. And it's just human psychology. Like they want you to take the silver package, but they want you to know that if you want to go cheaper, you can. No one's going to use a cheaper one because it doesn't have enough of what you need. Mm. And then they've got the higher option and maybe some people take it, but for most people it's an overkill. And you're like, I'm saving money by going by the silver one instead of paying for the premium one. Okay. Just quickly to go back to the beginning about faking it. Do you have any tips on how to fake it when you enter a negotiation? Like how, like your demeanor and... Yeah, just 
Because I use fake it till you make it all the time. 100%. I know that I'm adaptable and I'm resourceful. And so if anything, if I don't know half of what I'm meant to know, I will just make it up because I know these strengths that I have and then that's how I can kind of justify me faking it because I know I'll land on my feet at some point. Maya is like, I can do Excel. I might have never opened Excel in my life, but I know that I can watch a YouTube video and do it yeah. tomorrow. I will figure it out. I say yes, and then I'll figure it out. <laughs> Want to be a podcast co-host? Sure, I'll figure it out. That was literally your words. You were like, I think once I asked you to like help with like editing stuff, I was like, do you mind being like an editor for a little bit? We're just like running like low and the intermittent. And you were like, I'll learn. Yeah. And I did, and it was actually really fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, by yeah. the way. <laughs> new, a new skill, which and, I enjoyed. In terms of faking it till you make it, I think there's two things that have been really helpful in terms of body language if you're doing it in person. Mm-hmm. Slow your speech. Okay. Mm. The faster you talk, the more you're like, oh, my God. Um, I believe. Da, 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 da. Yeah. You come across nervous. You can't catch your breath. Like imagine me being like, and I really think that we should like – be your sponsor for the show because I think we're like really smart and fantastic verse. I think we would be the best sponsor for your show. And I think it comes down to one reason and one reason. Like that's two very different. Yeah. And that's confidence. It comes across confident. Yeah. You don't even have to have confidence. I'm just slowing down my speech. Mm. And frankly, it's better because I can also think about what I'm saying next. So that has really helped me. Honestly, just not talking. Not talking so listening. and listening, like saying less when you negotiate makes you seem like you know so much, you're so mysterious, like you're, oh, you're mystique. You're just kind of like ruminating in your head. Nonchalant. Nonchalant. Mm. But you could have nothing going through your mind. I love that. I love that. So when I negotiate and I'm unsure, I feel a bit overwhelmed, I just go quiet because I just let them talk and eventually they'll blabble. And then eventually they'll go, this is so uncomfortable. Let's just meet them in the middle. Because you're just sitting there and just like, yeah. And the third thing that's really helped, and I learned this from Valerie Adams, Dame Valerie Adams. It wasn't about negotiation, but learning to be comfortable with the discomfort Mm. is really important. No one goes into a negotiation feeling comfortable. No one goes into a negotiation feeling like they've got it. It's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to feel awkward. Oftentimes, these are people that you really like, that you just want to like have a yarn with or relax with or laugh with, but you're suddenly, you feel like enemies. You're on the other side. That's okay. You're not enemies. You're allowed to feel uncomfortable and still have that hard conversation and still say, hey, I think we can do something better here. Let's let's find some common ground where we can both win. Mm. It's nothing personal. That's a really good reminder because you hear this term business. It's like it's just business. It's nothing personal. And actually it is because everyone has to advocate for themselves and everyone has different perspectives and things like that. I think there's also a real, when people say that, I used to view it in a real masculine way, like it's just business, it's nothing personal. Like it came across very, like, well, if you feel emotional about it, like you're in the wrong, Mm. like grow up, like stop being uncomfortable. But I think if I was to reframe this term, it's just business, it's nothing personal, it's I might be making you feel uncomfortable. I usually feel bad about that. I don't want to make you uncomfortable, 
But in this instance, I need you to know that I still respect you. I think you're fantastic. I love your services and products. In this moment, I'm just going to advocate for us and our mission. And you're going to advocate for you and your mission. And after this conversation, we're going to go back to being fine. Mm. But it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable for 30 minutes. And that's okay. Yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with that. And also a cliche little quote, nothing grows in your comfort zone. Exactly. Not your salary. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you hit your phones. <laughs> so ask for a pay rise or initiate. Have those conversations. The worst case scenario is someone looks at you and says no. It doesn't mean they hate you. Has any boss in the world ever been like, how dare my employee ask for a raise? Or how dare that person that I'm doing business with ask if there's room, like wiggle room. No one says that, but we think they do. We're like, Mm. oh my God, I'm so cheeky for asking for 10% off. For what I deserve, for what I've worked for. It's okay. Mm. The worst I can say is no, and they'll forget about it next month. Do you think your boss remembers the last pay rise you asked for? They have other things to think about. Yeah. We're just, we're really not that important. We really aren't. (laughs) But I, I like to think of that as... People have busy lives and it's not to say that you are insignificant, but what may be big for you may not be big for them. And so you may feel really uncomfortable when I'm negotiating and I will keep this in mind as well. But if it's a no, it's a no. You're already sitting on a no if you don't ask anyway. I love that. You're no worse off. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's been really helpful Mm -hmm. i love that this is a good way to wrap up the episode but if you have learned something interesting if you feel like negotiating doesn't seem as scary anymore and that you know that it's not just a skill you're born with it's something that you grow over time then take a screenshot put on your story tag girls that invest it means the absolute world to us it helps us share the mission more and see you next week maya yes see you next week bye And as always, to finish off with our disclaimer, Girls That Invest does not provide personalised investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence.